Gotta start the energy off like this. Okay. Nigga, you ain't fat. My house is, my ounce is, my mouth is. If you don't like that, keep bouncing, keep bouncing, keep bouncing. Nigga, you ain't fat. My kids is, my bitch is, my dick is. If you don't like it, mind your business, your business, your business. Nigga, you Every ain't time fat. I step inside the restaurant, the way to be. We gotta see this video like too. I gotta see this video. This was out in 2011. This was off his, his album. Um, was it Rag Yeah. I know. I guess that's a Houston turn. Is that a Houston thing? Yeah, it was a. Uh, uh, we talked about this on a, on the first podcast we had. Fat Tony. Rap Dark Ad was like a program. I guess it was only in Texas. But it was like this school program where you would read a book and do a report on it and then send it in and get a dollar. Uh, or, and you could do that as many times as you wanted. So uh, he was really nerdy and desperate for money. You could read like a bunch of books in a year and, and get some. And a dollar when you're a kid, especially back then, yeah. could go a little bit of a way. Man. That's, that's a dollar now is like fucking three. Yeah, the, <laughs> back then is like three now. Yeah, a dollar back then was two bag of chips, uh, uh, soda, yeah. <laughs> and a honey bun or something. You could go to a legit dollar store and get some shit, man. And yeah. I'll take you a little comic book. Yeah. Dollar could take you a little bit, man. Yeah. Plus, we phasing out because COVID, so yeah, nobody getting dollars no more. But anyway, I digress. We are bumping in with Fat Tony because we have him as a special guest again on our Gems and Juice Artist Spotlight. Great interview coming up, so stay tuned for that, man. Uh, we're gonna have it on YouTube as well. Follow us on YouTube at Gems well, Gems and Juice on YouTube. Just search it, man. Gonna find yeah, search. <laughs> Yeah, and yeah, good interview, great dude, very creative, and got a lot of stuff cooking. Shout out to Shank too for the interview last week, man. Oh yeah, that was was a dog. I didn't know who Shank was before you told me about him. That dude is hilarious, man. He definitely needs like his own, I don't know, the podcast or reality (laughs) show or something. That dude's hilarious, man. He got a lot of funny stories. Yeah. Yeah, we we probably we gotta have him back on, man. A lot of people been hitting me up about it too. Like, man, that was the best interview y'all ever did. <laughs> I'm like, damn, we, that's that's saying a lot because we had a lot of uh, star-studded people on here. Now we have, <laughs> man, we have come a long way, man. You you and Jasmine doing some good work on that end, though. So yeah. appreciate that. We're gonna keep it grinding and trucking. But yes, check out this uh, this uh, Fat Tony interview a little later in the podcast coming up. Because it's very entertaining, and I think you guys will enjoy it. But in the meantime, uh, we got to introduce the podcast, as we always do. I'm, of course, Ryan Rocket, joined, as always, by my boy, the man himself, Figgy Fig. Dog, how you been? How you been? The air, we bring about the air horns, man. I'm I'm down with it. I'm using it more, man. (laughs) I'm down with the air horns, dog. We got to bring that shit back, too. Yeah. So how how you been, man? How you been holding up this last week? I've been holding up pretty good, man. Um, my Browns took a bad loss last week, but oh yeah, I'm you know I I didn't overreact. I, I don't think the season over. Um, I I I think the Browns lost to a better team, man. But they they four and two. 
They four and two, so I'm still. They still good. in it, man. I mean, I, I'll take four and two over fucking one and five. So, <laughs> <laughs> and you know the funny thing, I, I hear people talking about playoffs for the Texans. It's like, man, let's just call this a let's call it a wrap, dog. Yeah, yeah. Let, let, I know there's no reason to lose because we have no draft picks, but. I also don't want to see the Texans squeak into the playoffs and then get bounced by 50 points in, yeah. in the first round. So yeah. usually when they fire the uh, when you fire a coach, the season usually over, man. Yeah. You don't really is. get a spark by firing the uh, uh uh getting a coach fired. Usually the season is damn near over. So yeah. it's I think now it's all about seeing what they can do as far as like other players and all this other stuff. So since they fired the coach and GM. You you might as well just you know <laughs> chalk this season up as low, or at least try to win so Miami don't have a number one overall pick. <laughs> that yeah. should be the motivation. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so the Browns play the Texans this year, um, actually in a few weeks. Yeah. So who who are you? Are you conflicted? Who are you pulling for on that game? Uh, I am conflicted, man. I ain't gonna lie to you because. You know, you know, I'm a long life Browns fan. I'm from Cleveland, so you know, I bleed brown and orange. But mm-hmm. working for working in Houston, I Houston actually grew as my kind. I, I want to say like my number one team now. I guess it's because I'm working with the Texans too, and it's always a it's it's always a bad mood whenever the Texans lose, and then you gotta go to work that Monday. And you got to hear all all these hypothetical situations and <laughs> what they should do. And this person didn't play right. It's it's always a good feeling whenever the Texans win. So yeah. as far as if I want to have a good day at work, <laughs> I'd rather the Texans win because you know I, <laughs> I don't have to. You know I don't have to. I don't even have to pay attention to the Browns. I don't. You know I'm not there. You know I ain't got to. You know hear hear them on the radio and nothing like that. But you know, as far as I guess, as far as for the Browns, I, they they got a super easy schedule, and I I don't think they're gonna make it to the Super Bowl or nothing like that. But if they could just squeak into the playoffs and get bounced out, that's a that's a um that's something great for them. <laughs> I know it's not great for the Texans, but the Browns haven't made the playoffs in like <laughs> twenty years, so. I, yeah, yeah. I, I, you know, if they lose to the, to the Texans, it's not to me. It's not that big of a deal, even though they're a bad team. But if the Browns can just squeak into the playoffs, I think that's a W right there. <laughs> so I haven't been keeping up, man. Is Baker Mayfield actually legit? Uh, is he the franchise <laughs> quarterback for sure, or is the jury still out on him? Nah, I think that. I don't think so, man. Like I know right now he's hurt. He's dealing with some rib injuries, but I don't think so, man. I don't I think I think the Browns actually been doing a good job this year at hiding them because they got a killer run mm-hmm. game. So he really don't have to do much. He only threw over two hundred yards like twice this year. And the Browns won four of those games. So okay. I think yeah, I don't think I don't think he's that guy man i think the browns gonna be stuck in a um a, a situation where they might have to look at another quarterback <laughs> if they want to uh if they want to win i don't think that's the guy going forward interesting man also interesting to hear that they have a great run game because that means they're gonna destroy the texans because they can't <laughs> stop shit 
So <laughs> it's funny. It, it's funny because last week all um all on in the loop, uh, we was talking about Derrick Henry. We like, man, I'm telling you, man, that dude. And everybody's like, man, y'all always talking about Derrick Henry. Like he does blah, blah, blah. man, this dude put up 200 yards. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> man, and I gotta call this out too, man, because and I know people gonna say it's making it racial, and it probably is. But I, I always feel a certain way when uh, a, a white athlete has like a, a, a hot streak for a little bit, and then all of a sudden they the next, they the second coming. You know, we saw it in basketball with Tyler Hero or Hero, however you say his fucking name. They were <laughs> acting like he got next off of like one good game yeah. that was played right to the Breonna Taylor decision, where everybody's mind was probably fucked up. <laughs> and he had a great game and everybody, all the memes started coming in. Everybody, Alex Caruso, who is not a good player, but has some good, decent stretches. And suddenly everybody's like, oh, Tyo's, you know, yeah. hyping him up. And then in football, even with the quarterback was like traditionally a white position. You got Gardner Minshew and Baker Mayfield, who mm-hmm. were propped up to be superstars in the league based off of a little hot run. And then when they get exposed, it's all quiet. But yeah. let a black quarterback fall off like that. You, People are already you, asking questions about Deshaun Watson. You see what they already. did? You see what they did with Dwayne Haskins? Like yep. this, this is second year in the league, I want to say. It's second year under a different coach. And I've seen that stinks. Yes. <laughs> and they took him out already. And mi- meanwhile, you, meanwhile, you got uh, Trubisky who took like four or five years to figure out if they wanted to keep him or not. And not until his last year, but I think they declined his player option. But now they want to, you know, switch the quarterbacks. And they gave him like three or four years. Yep. So it's just like, man, this, I don't know the energy different. We talked to, um, we talked to Deshaun's quarterback coach, um, Quincy Avery, about that too. And this, yep. it's, it's true, man. They ain't give Dwayne Haskins no time. They really didn't, man. And the funniest thing is, like, people are getting upset because I know we're talking about sports, but we're going to get on back on track in a little bit. But <laughs> uh, people got all upset because uh, uh, they, they pulled Ryan Fitzpatrick and put uh, Tua in in Miami. And I'm like, y'all know what the fuck Ryan Fitzpatrick <laughs> is, right? Like, he'll have a couple of good games. He ain't taking you to no conference championship, let alone a fucking Super Bowl, man. Yeah. He's going to have a good game, and he's going to throw four picks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so we know what he is. We know what he is in Houston. That's why he shipped his – that's why he's a journeyman quarterback. Yeah. He's on a new team every year. Yeah. You're going to complain that, that he was benched for a, a actual prospect who could be a great quarterback who, if he plays at least. So yeah, the energy is different, man. Yeah. That's a whole other thing. And, and, and Miami, um, Miami pretty smart for this because they, like they got to see what Tua is because th- he could be a bus. We don't know, but he got to get out there and play. And, and plus they probably will have like a top three pit, top three, top yeah, four. Pick. They already set in the draft. Yeah. So they might as well see what he got. And if he's not really shit, then they can probably punt on him and maybe draft another quarterback or something. So they, yep. they got to see what he got. They, it, it's, it's no guarantee. I just couldn't believe I saw people getting upset about Ryan Fitzpatrick being benched. And he crying about it. This ain't the first time you've been benched, buddy. You've been through it a lot. 
So yeah, just take your place on the you, bench and you, know your role. You know who we should feel so- sorry for? We should feel sorry for Tara uh, Taylor. Because yes. the way he lost his job was real fucked up. A, a yeah, team, fuck, a, fucking a, doctor fucked him up. Yeah, teamed up because he was the starting quarterback. And yep. once that happened, that's when the other dude went in. Even though he probably would eventually start it. But he might not get another job again. Like, it, it's no guarantee. <laughs> so, it's probably over for him, man, sadly. Yeah. yeah. So, and, yeah, that is fucked up. And it wasn't like he, you know, suffered a concussion or something like that. This was a team doctor. <laughs> that yep. fucked up his punched his lung, so I I think that was real fucked. Up. I would be suing the shit out of the uh, the team doctor because <laughs> he might he not, probably is. He, man. I mean, I'm not saying he was a starting quarterback, you know, going for, like the future or nothing, but he might not get another job again. <laughs> like that that was his. He was starting for that team and lost his starting job because of that. Yeah. Unfortunate, man. I do feel for him, but you know he had been around, and his career was kind of short too, man. So yeah. unfortunate. Hopefully, he got money saved up, and he can, I don't know, become a quarterback coach or something. I don't know, transfer into something useful. But yeah. sad thing there. But we'll see, man. This whole thing been crazy. Uh, real quick, since we are on sports anyway, how do you feel about the NBA? Quick turnaround, maybe starting on Christmas Day. And having a 72-game season uh, next year. Are you down with this? Do you think that the King has had enough rest (laughs) (laughs) to turn it around and start on Christmas Day? Or do you think they should push this shit back a little bit? Um, I think think that's a little too quick, man. Because it's already November, pretty much. And, um, yeah, like, Christmas is literally, like, two months away. Yeah. So, I I think that's... I kind of think that's way too quick. I think they need to start in probably like January or early February or something and shorten the season again. And uh, I guess at least try to get back on track to how it originally was. But, um, yeah, I mean, I would like to see I, – I, I like watching basketball on Christmas. But um, that's a little too short, man. <laughs> like, I'm a, I, I kind of got tired of basketball, honestly, yeah. during this time. So – just yeah I, I think it's way too short i think they're in a no-win situation honestly because if you push it back then the teams that didn't make the bubble will have been off for like a year at that point damn near like they hadn't yeah. played since what march yeah march that's mm-hmm. like 10 months if you push it back to like january or Feb- like so and also the ratings are big for them too the Christmas Day ratings are, pro- are probably like the biggest day of rating for the NBA. That's, that's when, when people, people actually realize it's on TV again. That's when people actually start watching it for real. Yes. Mm-hmm. So I think they're desperate to have that back. I think they're going to try their best to have it happen. I just think that we're going to see a whole lot of low managing, especially from LeBron and the Lakers, people who had deep playoff runs in the bubble. You're going to see, I think they'll probably relax the whole thing where you can't play unless you're injured or else you might get fined or some shit. They might relax that rule for next year. Mm. I think they're going to make it happen, man. I think it's going to be some ugly basketball too for people who haven't had that much rest, but yeah, we'll see. It's, it's going to be interesting too, because you got different teams that's might actually be good. You might like yeah, look the, at nets, the, the nets, the nets going to be you, a problem, man. You, you got the golden state warriors. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean, people forgot about them. And shit, ain't no telling what they gonna do. I think they got the second overall pick, 
Yeah. <laughs> so you don't People think they gonna get uh Giannis Anto <laughs> Kakumbo? Uh lot no uh Lonzo oh, Lonzo brother Bo- or uh shit uh Lamelo 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 yeah yeah I would not too. get him man. <laughs> <laughs> You gonna be a I hate to say it, man. That dude's gonna be a bust too, but we'll see. Anyway, we digress. We know we don't went off on sports, but we got to get that off our chest first. Um, so new releases, man. Not a whole lot came out this week. Nothing that I particularly listened to. Ty Dolla Sign, the Nate Dog of this era, according to Jules, <laughs> dropped an album. I didn't really care to listen to it. I know it had a whole lot of features. Yeah. I might bump it eventually. I just wasn't in the mood. Plus, we got that Fat Tony album holding us down. We're going to yes. talk about that with him mm-hmm. a little bit later. And that's all you need to know about, honestly. Yeah. The only new release you got to listen to is the Fat Tony and buy that shit and stream it. Yeah. But uh, you did bring this up. Uh, <laughs> I did actually hear this song, too. <laughs> NBA young boy who we honestly like never talk about because he's way below our demographic. <laughs> <laughs> I think kids in high school think he's Tupac. Yeah. Um, but we look at him like just one of the new young niggas who don't really make music for us. <laughs> but he did make a song uh, using the story of OJ beats <laughs> that actually, and the, the thing about this song, I heard it. Uh, he made a video for it too. And he's actually... I have to admit, he's spitting on this song. The only thing is that he used an off-beat flow where it sounds like he didn't even have headphones on when he was spitting his verse. He was just <laughs> <laughs> spitting yeah. without no beat, and they added the beat after the fact. Yeah. Now, to be fair, Jay-Z was kind of spitting like that, too. True, true. Maybe that's it's true. Good smoother, point. But... Maybe, maybe he was inspired by the Jay-Z flow and tried to emulate it, but I don't know. Yeah. Uh, so, but he was talking about, you know, owning his music and being independent, making boss moves, um, wanting another baby with, uh, Lil Wayne's daughter, which, uh, some nigga got mad at YFN Lucci, I think, or some, some nigga got oh, mad yeah. at whoever she would now got mad at him <laughs> for that shit. But he was talking about ownership. He was talking about empowerment, some real shit that I wouldn't really expect an NBA young boy to rap about. So very, very surprising. Uh, how do you feel about this track, man? Were you feeling it or do you think it's still the NBA young boy no, demographic? I actually, I actually liked it, man. I, I kept seeing a bunch of people repost this video of the freestyle saying, nah, bro, this ain't it. Or nah, this shit trash. <laughs> like, what is he doing on this? So I'm like, <laughs> I, seen, I, seen that, I, I seen the title say story of OJ freestyle. So I'm like, wow, like that to me, I was impressed that he even chose that beat because a lot of people don't ch- uh, choose that beat unless you push a T. So uh, <laughs> I decided to give it a listen and I was impressed. I actually I actually pulled up the video and watched the whole video. <laughs> I, I was kind of impressed. But um, I was really shocked at what he was talking about. And he was actually spitting lyrics. It wasn't no bullshit. He was, man. I was actually impressed, man. I got to say, like, I'm not an NBA Youngboy fan. I don't really get into his music. But this shit, I got to call it like it is, man. He was spitting on this shit. It surprised me. I kind of like New Orleans accent, too. 
Yeah. Harrison Ford. I, I, I know Harrison he lives Ford. here now, currently. Yeah, he from. I think. Yeah. I, I, I want to say he from Louisiana. I don't know if it's New Orleans, New Orleans, but. Okay. Yeah. yeah, shit was clean, man. Yeah. I'm one of the greatest to ever do it. Tell me why your favorite rapper so fake and fluent. Telling you he gonna do things that he know wasn't gonna do. That's the Mandela effect to the kids. Don't understand the shit they do. What the fuck you doing? These bitch ass niggas still gonna criticize it because they don't understand. Fuck you gonna criticize him, man. Now, I, I'm surprised he knew about the Mandela thing. That lets yeah. you know he be on the internet a lot. Yeah, I wonder. <laughs> I wonder if a lot of pe- a lot of people that are saying nah, that's not it. I wonder if they saying that because of the actual lyrics he's saying, or just how it sounds. I think it's how it sounds, man. I think people weren't really listening to the lyrics. I think they were just low. He's off beat, and he's like because the last time we heard this song was when Pusha T. Yeah. Used it to diss Drake and destroy him. That yeah. So we compare that to this, and it's like it just sounds he like on that silk the shocker flow basically. Yeah. Completely off beat. Yeah. But I mean, he's still like this is sound. This sounds more like the original Jay Z song, like you said. Yeah. Than anything else. Mm-hmm. And the song ain't bad, man. I yeah. gotta call it. The song ain't bad. I, I, I got to put you on the spot, man. You gotta rank the three um, story of OJ songs. Okay. Jay Z version, <laughs> Pusha T version, or NBA Youngboy version. <sighs> Pusha T has to be first <laughs> because that is a historic diss song. That's gonna go down in time. It's gonna be up there with Hit 'Em Up. It's gonna be up there with No Vaseline. <laughs> the story of Adidon is probably the biggest diss song of our generation, man, honestly. Yeah. And because of that, it has to be number one. <laughs> number two, I got to put Jay because just it's Jay's song. I thought Jay did. The concept was cool. It's listening back to it. It's kind of corny in some places. Yeah. He had some bars where I'm like, oh. yeah, but uh, the, the video was a cool concept. I like that. And it's his song. Yeah. So uh, I got to give him number two. And NBA, even though, like, me ranking NBA Youngboy last don't mean the song is whack. Yeah. It's just compared to those, I would rather listen to those than his version. But mm-hmm. I, I think his version is good, too, man. Every Everybody who steps on this beat comes correct. Yeah. It's kind of like the new age uh, uh, who shot you beat, basically. You know? Yeah. Yeah. You can't get on who shot you and come whack. You got to come correct. Yeah. And I think when people choose this beat, they come correct on it. So. Yeah. I, I think it's three for three. <laughs> or, well, I okay. guess two for two, not counting Jay Z, but Pusha T and NBA Youngboy. I think it's two for two so far. I, yeah. I, I have no problem with this song. <laughs> there might be some nigga who rapped over it that we haven't heard of. So, yeah, but, I'm, I'm uh, not counting that. But yeah. um, as far as far as these men, like they did their thing on this beat. So yeah. Spe- speaking of that, Pusha this song. Did you see <laughs> what Ti said? I guess in the verse, talking about Drake. <laughs> I did hear that he confirmed that uh, his friend peed on Drake. Yeah, which I think came out during the Meek Mill beef. Yeah, some years. And ago. we had no idea what that was about, but. Apparently, yeah, T.I.'s <laughs> friend did pee on Drake. I didn't hear, I didn't actually hear the lyric, but so what actually happened here? Yes. How did he confirm it? Uh, he pretty much said, let me look up the lyric real quick. But um, 
he pretty much he didn't say I don't think he said Drake name, but um he mentioned like uh homie did uh, uh peed on on a nigga, something like that. But, <laughs> but uh you know how T I be talking. But uh Yeah. But <laughs> apparently Drake unfollowed T.I. on Instagram for that. Oh, no. Uh-oh. <laughs> T.I. better kiss the ring, man, because Drake is too powerful in his game now. You can't cross him and survive. Yeah. And you know uh, how sensitive Drake is. Yes. Uh, let me find this lyric. Hold on. Uh, shit. Uh. Oh, yeah. He. Uh, so this the lyric. While while I'm fighting my own, somehow you got home so drunk in L.A. End up pissing on. Oh, he did say his name. End up pissing on Drake. Shit. Damn. Fuck it. <laughs> That's still my brother. Damn. So, yeah. So that was a lot. Oh, so he was talking about his boy in his song. Yeah. And how he. That's damn. I, I wonder if something happened behind the scenes because I feel like T.I. is not usually the one. Well, he has started dumb beats over nothing before, so <laughs> uh, I don't know, man. But he better kiss the ring. He better make it right, yeah. Because uh, Mob Ties gonna be on his ass. I know, man. He got he Jay Prince. <laughs> Jay <laughs> Prince gonna uh, make an Instagram video. <laughs> we gonna talk about urinating on other men. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's a pig <laughs> pin mentality. There's a pig pin. Only pigs pee on each other. Can't <laughs> <laughs> say that shit. <laughs> man, no, man, don't do that. <laughs> but yeah, um, yeah, this was kind of bizarre, man. Like, like, I, and everybody forgot about that too, man. Yeah. So it was very surprising that he. Oh yeah, also happy birthday to Drake. Drake's birthday was oh, yeah. this week as well. Damn, we over here shitting on Drake. <laughs> I know, right? Hey, <laughs> His birthday. Man. We making it right now. Happy birthday to Drake. How old is he now? Drake is 34 years old. Okay. So one year older than me, and I haven't accomplished anything in, in comparison. <laughs> I, I so know. shit, I got one year to make it to Drake status. Let's see if I can make it. <laughs> oh, yeah. Kanye was on the Joe Rogan podcast as well. I haven't seen it yet. It was yeah. just posted as we went to the uh, recording for this podcast. So we'll talk about we'll it break that week. down. Yeah, it's like three hours long. I will say this about Joe Rogan, though, man. I'm not a huge fan of him personally uh, or his whole cult of people who love his podcast. But he is a good interviewer mm. and he has good interviews with people who I never thought I would even like or want to listen to them talk. He had a good interview with Miley Cyrus a few months ago, like last month, I think. That was actually really insightful, man. Like, she actually seemed like a cool person <laughs> when you actually listen to her talk. Damn. But uh, he's actually a good interviewer. He knows when to shut the fuck up and let somebody talk. And he knows how to press when somebody is bullshitting, mm. which is very hard, especially when you're somebody who's concerned about maintaining relationships and all that shit, to be honest with somebody and call him on a bullshit, but he'll do that. Yeah. So I, I'm going to check it out. We'll react to it next week and let y'all know what we think about that. Mm-hmm. It's like three hours long. So anybody complaining about our podcast being too long, yeah. Joe Rogan put like four-hour podcasts out, man. <laughs> Insane. Calm down. <laughs> he the biggest podcast in the world, too. We're trying to get there. Yeah. Um. Anything else happened we got to react to, man? Um. Tory Lanez. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's what I was trying to think of. So, 
Tory Lanes, and uh, I guess he finally did an Instagram live, which I think he should have did a long time ago before he dropped a fucking album. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I guess he he tried to explain himself, but I didn't actually see this, so yeah. I can't even I, comment on it too yeah. much. I got a little snippet but, of it. Okay, go ahead and play it. There's some things that I just want to say today. I think that um, I know that there's been a lot of speculation about the things that I've been going through and oh, yeah. <laughs> how I've been dealing with them and the insensitive, like talking when y'all wanted me to talk and saying certain things. Mm-hmm. And I just felt like I owed my fans. I owed it to my fans and supporters of people who, when they look at me and they look at me as a role model, I owed it to those people as a, a person to just model. like give them some sort of transparency <laughs> and some sort of accountability of certain things. I felt like who let the Tory um, as a role, you know, I know. For those who don't know for the last <laughs> three months of my life, on I've been in this place where, you know, I've been bashed. I've been cut through just people every single day coming at me, coming at me, coming at me. And Throwing shots. I mean, it's crazy bad. because the whole thing that. about it is it's like <laughs> when this whole uh, debacle or whatever you call it. Um, Nigga, you don't. Know, I hate. Okay, pause. The whole pause, time pause. it's like she knows what happened. So I hate when people try to dance around exactly what they're trying to talk about yes when they say things like oh that situation a situation happened the debacle happened Nigga, just <laughs> say the shooting thing with megan yeah. the stallion yeah i hate when they try to act like you know this, this like whole, try to dance around what it actually is this whole debacle the you know this whole <laughs> situation this entanglement yeah. Like no, nah, say what it, say what it is. We got pull a Will Smith. Nah, say what it was. It was cheating. <laughs> <laughs> Your relationship. <laughs> that was the best thing about that whole red table talk was uh, Will Smith stopping that bullshit when she tried to do it. Yes, and that that's what I hate the most. You know exactly what you're trying to explain here. So just be honest with it, man. Don't yeah. try to dance around the fact that, oh, this is the situation and this thing. Yeah. No. And, anyway. you know, and you know Will Smith was pissed because he like, I don't even want to be on this bullshit. But oh, now, hell no. now your nigga was all out of place. So now I got to sit here with you and, and go through this bullshit. So say what it is. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to hear no more. Nope, <laughs> No, I'm sure he tell like, look out! I keep my bitches in control. Yeah, you ain't hearing nothing from Maggie Margot Robbie (laughs) this entire time. And now this corny ass nigga out here, here. (laughs) yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Like, say what it is. No relate cheating relationship. (laughs) Relation, my entanglement. Oh, that's annoying. But anyway, continue, my man. I know what happened. And we know that what you're saying and what the alleged things and the alleged accusations of my name is are not true. It's falsified information. It's false information and it's not accurate information. I don't ever want to come off like I'm here to bash this girl or I'm here to talk down about this girl or ever be yeah. at a place where like I only I'm made a whole album about it. To me, <laughs> right? as a person, Police reported ahead. No what, even if she doesn't look at me like that, I look at her like she's still my friend. In, in the times that we were together or around each other, we've had nothing but joyous moments and good moments. So I, I'm not gonna sit here and bash her, but at the same time, it's, it comes to a certain standpoint of me as a person where it's like, yo, do y'all want me to just sit here and just allow my name to be assassinated, my character to be assassinated, everything that I worked for to get here to just be assassinated? <laughs> you only waited like three for months. For something that I did right. do, something that the events that are being said are, are not even accurate. <laughs> 
They assassinated your name for like three months and you said nothing. <laughs> Honestly, most of the smoke came at Megan Thee Stallion at first. <laughs> yes. Until she explained herself. So he had plenty of time to to shape the narrative himself and say what happened. Because none of us knew what happened in the first place to begin with. Mm-hmm. And then people started making jokes about it. Then Megan Thee Stallion explained herself. And then apparently his team kept saying other shit. So she had to come out again. Like he had plenty yeah. of time to clear his name before <laughs> he was actually slandered. And he didn't say shit. And if you want to be real, I think I felt like the slander is 50 50 because it's it's not lump sided. <laughs> I, I know yes. I, I see a lot of people defending Meg. You know, we, we, I think we kind of team Meg, but it's I think it's split down the middle, man, because I see a lot of people saying they believe Tory and they support Tory and all this other stuff. It's not just. It's not like a shitload of people just bashing Tory. It's split down the middle. Like, honestly, we've talked about that already on the podcast, man. Most artists have not said shit and probably are cool with both of them. Mm-hmm. The only problem really he has to face is publications not covering him. Uh, I think uh, you mentioned that playlists were taking him down off playlists for his new his music now. And he was kind of getting soft banned from that stuff. Um, those things he has to worry about. But I mean, public perception, there is a good amount of people who are siding with Tory Lanez, male and female, mm-hmm. uh, that I've seen online too. So I don't know, man. Yeah. What, what, what do you think the reason is for him to come out like this now? Because remember, he'd been quiet. I want to say it had to be a strong two months. Of him yeah. not saying anything, not posting anything, and and he he dropped the album, he he made a couple statements which was kind of st- sketchy to me, and then uh, he just so decided to do an Instagram live. So I wonder, like, w- what do you think the reason is now? I think uh, he thought it would eventually go away. I don't think he thought because I mean, event uh, Meg did not talk for a while after this happened. I think he just thought it would get swept under the rug. It would be what it was. Um, and I think it's gotten worse and worse for him in terms of the fact that now he's charged. Now he fucked up with the album and now people are you know, saying he's insensitive to black women and all this stuff. So he's kind of low key getting canceled in a way. Artists will not work with him now because he's too volatile at this point and i think now he's starting to see the repercussions of being quiet for so long and now he's like fuck it i gotta save something here and i think jasmine actually brought a good point we had her on beginning of the month and she said you know what if he knows this is it and he's just trying to get whatever he can back before you know he either goes to jail or he's just fucked because nobody will make music with him no more. And he's kind of like Takashi 6ix9ine out here. Yeah. You know, albums flopping and can't get on the radio. So what if you're just doing like a last ditch effort to make it okay for him to eventually go back to touring and make another album and have people side with him? I don't know. But it is interesting. Like you said, he, he waited so long. Yeah. And to only try now to explain himself. And then he's not even explaining shit. Yeah. That's the part. All he's saying is it's false. Yeah. That's the part that's getting me because 
like if he would have came out right after Meg did her live, then I probably I probably would be split down the middle too. I probably would be where you know how Jasmine feel because Jasmine, I I don't think she taking the side, but she kind of in the middle where she don't know where you know this. Yeah, Jazz, Jasmine siding with Tori, but <laughs> <laughs> let's just call it what it is. Man. I don't she don't want to admit it because she got a lot of. A lot yeah. of progressive friends, but she signed with Tory. It yeah, and, and and plus, you, I mean, you don't want to be the person to side with Tory and seem insensitive towards exactly. you know black women. But I mean, it is a bizarre story. Like, it's it's weird. Like when you look at the whole situation, like you don't know what's going on. But like, if he would have came out right after that with an Instagram live saying, "Hey, this is false. This is what happened. We were in the car." Da 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 da. If he came out like that, then I probably wouldn't have no problem with it. I probably would be like, well, it's, you know, it's two sides to every story and then the truth. And then, yeah. it, and then I probably wouldn't even have a problem if he dropped the album about it. it you know, I, it probably not my cup of tea, but it is what it is. But for the simple fact that he was so quiet um, during these months, then drop a, you know, he, I think he made a post nine o'clock that night before the album dropped mm-hmm. saying, you know, nine o'clock, you know, be on the lookout. And we thought it was going to be an Instagram live, but it was actually a full album. Yes. And, you know, he, you know, he talked about what he talked about, really didn't say shit. He was just saying he was innocent. That's all he said. He ain't explained anything to me, in my opinion, or from what I listened to. And then um, right after that, he got a lot of uh, flack for dropping the album, talking about that on the um I, I want to say it was the same day that they got the verdict on Breonna Taylor. Yeah, like a day after. I yeah. Think. So then he tried to come back and say, oh, well, uh, all of the money from this is going towards her family and all this other bullshit. Oh, okay. I, yeah, I'm not believing that. And then, you know, just this Instagram live pretty much saying the same thing, how he innocent. And it's like, where was all of this energy before? And, and honestly, before, I guess towards the beginning, I guess I understood why he was quiet because maybe it could have been a case, ongoing case, and I kind of understood that. I kind of, res- I guess I respect that. But once he dropped the album, it's like, where, like, what the hell is this? Where is this mm-hmm. ongoing case at? Like, what? Like, I, I see what it is now. You trying to benefit off of this? So you trying to, you, you pretty much trying to do the, um, the August Alcina. Yeah, you know, everybody talking about you and wonder, and try, they want to hear what you got to say. So you try to use that as an album. So um, yeah, and I, to me, I I just don't get it, man. Like I don't know if he just realized that it's almost the end. If you know, I guess shit starting to look bad. So that's why he come out with this Instagram video. Because I guess the numbers not looking good because he I I want to say he was bragging I don't know if it was him bragging about the numbers or just his fans but people was bragging about them first I guess the million downloads that first day and all mm-hmm. this other shit but ain't nobody said a, a damn thing about that album <laughs> since that time so I don't know if that numbers looking bad right now or what but now he now he pretty much playing the victim card saying you know. How I guess people bashing him and his, you know, his so-called friends are not his friends anymore and all this other stuff. So I, it, it got to be something going on now. Yeah, man. Well, I, I think the heat's just getting put on him now, and he's starting to feel it. 
Um, and and yeah, man, I, I just don't know. I, I don't get what his whole battle because my, my thing is you can't it's not enough for people to believe you if you just say, well, that's a lie. You got to tell us what happened yeah. for us to even know if we're going to side with you or not or believe you or not. Megan Thee Stallion was she did a whole Instagram live saying exactly what happened from her perspective. Mm-hmm. And that's why niggas believe her. Yeah, that's because why because she said that's why I yes. believe her. That's that's why I'm taking her story because I, we don't we don't have Tory Lane's story. <laughs> like yes. Meg, when all that shit happened, she got on Instagram live, no makeup, and said, "Boom, this is what happened," and yes. and gave everything. She could be lying. She could be, but that's all we got right now. And uh, I, I did see this on the timeline too. Allegedly, uh, Tory Lane's bodyguard did some kind of interview and uh, said what he thinks happened, I guess. He says that Tori and Megan were in the car with Megan's friends and Megan was upset because Tori Lanes was messing around with one of Megan's friends who was in the car, apparently. And I guess it wasn't Kylie. Allegedly, it was one of Megan's friends who was in the car and she got out the car. Tori had a gun. One of the girls got the gun. And he said the girl was shooting shots, not <laughs> Tori. Mm. Now, if that's true, that changes everything. But yeah. nobody else has corroborated that. Yeah. And also, I would wonder, if you're the bodyguard, and you know all that shit, why did you not take, like, what the fuck is your use if you're the bodyguard? Why does he have to have a gun Yeah, if you're his bodyguard? And you're supposed to defuse situations like that. Like, how are you going to let that even transpire? I don't know. Yeah. So the whole thing's a mess, man. I think if it goes to trial, we'll 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 find out as close to the truth as to what happened. But I, I was also thinking this, too, man. It's very possible that everybody involved was so fucked up that nobody really knows exactly what happened. And, and, and we're not going to get the full story because they just came back from a pool party. I'm sure everybody was drunk as fuck and some crazy shit just happened. Yeah. So I don't know, man. <laughs> yeah. I wonder if this thing will ever die down at this point. Cause every time we're finally moved past talking about it, somebody else comes and says something. Yeah. It seemed like Meg trying to move past it. Yeah. And you know, and he, you know, once Everything is gone. Then he drop an album, or he make some type of statement, or this Instagram live. She she actually tweeted after the Instagram live said this nigga genuine, <laughs> genuinely crazy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I saw that. I did see that. So yeah, yeah very interesting. We'll we'll see how yeah. things transpire, man. But honestly, I'm like at this point, I'm like until we have some kind of court proceeding where people have to tell the truth under oath. Like, I, I'm tired of these Instagram lives and these he said, she said shit. Like, yeah. I'm team Meg, so I'm signed with Meg because I don't yeah. give a fuck about this Canadian nigga. Yeah. But and and, he, and we'll that's see. that's the part that kills me because a lot of people saying I'm believed Tory. Like, what did he say? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what did Just he say? Just say I like Tory more than Meg. Yeah. And that's why I believe and, him. And, and Jack Friedman <laughs> mentioned that a couple weeks ago, too, when he was on the podcast. I do think it's it's people that never really care for men. Not not saying they didn't like her, like her, but never really care for her music or you know some of the people that had a problem with what how she rolled out. 
or her her content. I feel like those are the people that really uh, don't really side with her like that. <laughs> yeah, I, I feel like those are the people because I I kid you not, even some people I know personally that you know whenever we had the med conversation, they said they never care for music or content, and she rap about the same thing and stuff like that. Those are the same people that's saying you know Tory is innocent. So I think it could be some type of vendetta against Meg from the from the beginning. I think it is like honestly, you side with whoever you like the most. Like we we have a like as human beings, that's just how we're programmed, man. Yeah. We like somebody, so we believe them. We say free our cousin if he in prison, but we don't know who he shot. <laughs> like if, if that yeah. person who got shot was our cousin, we'd say throw him in the pen forever. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it is you side with whoever you like the most. And I think that Tory Lanez has more fans than Megan Thee Stallion right now. Probably. Well, I don't know. I, mm-hmm. I don't, I don't think her fan base is as strong as it should be. Yeah. So because where they at yeah. now. <laughs> Yeah, because exactly. they they damn near losing the battle between the Tory and Meg conversation. <laughs> Imagine if Beyonce got shot, man. There was nobody on earth would have the nerve to even side with any nigga. I don't care if it was Drake. I don't care if it was Jay. Any nigga, they would not. They would side with Beyonce. No, you have a couple of people that really, you know, the the um the jewels. <laughs> Yeah, who, who, who yeah, be, you would have a few who would be in a conspiracy bad. Well, I don't know yes. what happened in that elevator. <laughs> like you, I heard she did this, or you know, you had some of those people, but most likely everybody was side with Beyonce. Yes, but with Megan Thee Stallion, she's a newer artist. You know, mm-hmm. she's bigger, like physically, so women some can't relate to her like that. So they gonna yeah. side with Tori, whatever. Yeah, it's, um, I'm just tired of the goofy shit, man. The the oh, she was twerking on Instagram. She's still twerking on Instagram. How could she do yeah. that? Like, do y'all want this bitch to be in a cask? <laughs> Did she really get shot? Did, yeah. She's like, still, she still, she has, she still has her foot attached yeah, yeah. to her body. So did she really yeah. get shot in the foot? Yeah. Y'all expect there to be paralyzed? Man. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, man. Yeah. I'm kind of getting sick of the story at this point. Honestly. Me too. I just want the real facts so we can just put it to bed once and for all. But I, I keep telling tell myself, like, that's it. Like, I'm not talking about this again. And then something like some shit like this happened where you got to yeah. talk about it. So that's that's the part that's irritating, man. But hopefully, man, we need, it's over, man. <laughs> we need to make a list of topics that are banned from the Gym to Juice podcast. Man. We do. We already said Cardi B and offset relationship <laughs> is banned from the Gym to Juice podcast from <laughs> now on. No matter what happens, we might be getting to the point where we got to put Meg and Tori on that list, too, man. Yeah. I don't think we're there yet. Yeah, but I think if this goofy shit keeps going, we might have to put that on the list number two. Yeah, I just Damn I just hope talks. he don't talk again, man. Hope he don't, because unless he sit here and say, "Hey, this is the story," I'm gonna yeah. break down what happened that night. If it's not that, then I don't care. <laughs> I agree, man. <laughs> the Gems and Juice Podcast presents. Check one two. And we also have a very very special guest joining us today. The Gems and Juice Artist Spotlight. Brought to you by Sky Lab Studios. 
Book your studio session now at skylabhouston.com. All right, attention, Jim Stones and Juice says, are you an artist, producer, or a podcaster looking for a professional and private recording studio? Have you been struggling to find the right engineer to record, mix, and master your projects? Well, guys, we got an answer for you. Our good friends at Skylab Studios Houston. Created by audio engineer and music producer Mike Dowie, Skylab Studios Houston is located in the Galleria area of Houston, Texas, and provides a great recording experience while overlooking the city skyline. Please visit SkylabHouston.com and hit the Book Now button for session availability. Follow Skylab Studios Houston on Instagram at SkylabHTX for more info. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another very special episode with a very special guest. And y'all know this man if y'all listened to the podcast before. He was our last guest we actually had in person before the COVID and quarantine hit. And we all got kicked out the studio. And uh, he was the last person we talked to. I still remember the conversation we had because you asked us how concerned we were about the COVID thing. And I was like, man, it's not looking too good. And yeah. like a few days later, they shut down the entire country. Yeah, it's crazy because um, you was our last guest, and that was the last time I actually saw Ryan Rocket. So I have not <laughs> seen this dude since. We've been doing the podcast just like this. Yeah. I am so grateful for that weekend because I came to Texas. I played two shows, played Houston, played Austin, stayed in, in both cities for a few days and, and went to other concerts and went to parties and saw family and saw friends, like really did it up. And a lot of that leisurely hanging out was on a whim because my trip was supposed to be short, but I was having so much fun and I hadn't been home in a minute. I was like, let me just kick it here longer. I don't have anything else I need to be back home for, right? And um, man, I'm just so thankful that I did because I haven't been hanging out like that since then. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Man. That's a crazy thing, man. You never know what's going to happen, man. Like, I always think it's corny when people say you got to live every day like it's your last or some shit like that because I'm like, nobody can really live like that. But you really never know what's going to happen in the world, man. If we had any clue that we would be shut down as a country for three months. I'm sure we would have done a lot more when we could have during that last yeah. week. But <laughs> yeah. I, I digress. I mean, we're getting off topic, man. We got to introduce this man. The uh, great, talented Fat Tony is joining us again to discuss his album, to discuss everything going on. I also saw you made an appearance on one of my favorite shows. We're going to talk about that as well <laughs> nice. and, and get into everything going on, man. But first off, uh, Last time we talked to you was on a Zoom call. We did a whole little Houston check-in with everybody during the quarantine, make sure uh, all of our guests were doing good and safe and all that. Uh, how you been since then, man? How you been maintaining? I know you've been creating. You've been uh, heavy on Instagram Live. You've been heavy in the lab, producing, recording, all that stuff. So yeah. how, how have you been personally during this time, bro? Man, I can't lie. I've been feeling really good and I feel really lucky that I went into a pandemic with this Exotica project already recorded and already planned to come out this October. So pretty much throughout the quarantine, 
me and my producer Goldeneye spent our time mixing the album, switching up some of the production, planning out videos, shooting videos, keeping them safe too. It's, at first I thought it'd be really tough to go out there and shoot videos, but I remember typically when I shoot a video, it's like two, three, four, five people tops around, so it was easy to mask up and keep it safe during the video shoots. So I had my my mind occupied and I think a lot of people were really losing it because they didn't have anything on the horizon to look forward to. So it really felt stuck. There was a moment where I felt that back in March when everything started to shut down, like that's, you know, sense of panic that we all felt. But about a month into it, I started to look at what I have before me with this album and other projects that I'm working on. And I just thought, you know what? Rather than stress out and panic and try to do something new, let me double down on what I've been preparing for anyway and use this time to really refine it and be really thoughtful about creating this rollout. Mm. That's inspiring, man. I, I think you hit a, a very salient point there, too. You know, the keeping your mind occupied was very, very crucial. Um, me personally, I went through a lot of anxiety because I'm like, man, I thought my company was going to go under. Uh, I wasn't working on anything particular. Our podcast, we had no idea what was going to happen to it because uh, we couldn't get in the studio no more. So, yeah, it was a very anxious time, but uh, a lot of people were able to create. We talked to Jack last week, too. Um, he said he was able to make some new songs and stay focused. So that is that is a very important thing during that time was to if you have something to work on, that was the time to work on it because you needed to keep your mind occupied while all that shit was going on, man. So, yeah, yeah. I, I do want to talk about this project, though, man. You, you released it. It's called Exotica. And this is how I know the the Internet has ruined my mind, because when I th <laughs> when I heard the title Exotica, I think of the uh, adult film convention, <laughs> the porno convention that happens every year. So I heard that funny. shit and I was... <laughs> it's, it's funny because on the song Feeling Groovy, I started off saying, can't believe I never seen you over there looking like an 8th Street Latina. And that's the first song from this album. So if you already had porn on your mind and, and heard that, I can see you thinking like, damn, is Fat Tony dropping a fucking AVN album or what? <laughs> and, and, and only old school porn heads know about A Street Latinas, man. That was a very <laughs> deep reference you dropped, man. Not everybody's going to get that, but I caught that. I was like, okay. <laughs> yeah, man. Because you know, that, that guy in that song, like, first of all, this album is all about storytelling. And in every song, I'm either playing a character or I'm playing the narrator and in feeling groovy it's about a guy married man probably middle aged dad who is in an unhappy relationship and he's starting to look elsewhere right and he sees a woman and for maybe the first time in a long time he has a rush of desire he is he is feeling fringy he's feeling panic he's like contemplating should I start my life over and leave my family? Like, he's kind of lost. And it's exactly the type of nigga who was probably an 8th Street Latina fan <laughs> back in the day. <laughs> and he's smoking black and miles. Oh, he's grabbing me now, man. I'm feeling triggered here, dog. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, uh, you talked about a little bit on Twitter about the creation of this album. I think it's very interesting. So, walk us through that. How, how was this album conceived? How'd you come up with the title? 
Uh, how, how did this kind of, how was this conceived originally when you thought about this album, the concepts, the storytelling and the title and all that? So the producer GoldenEye, formerly known as Tom Cruise, has been my longest musical partner. I met him back in 2007 and we've worked on most of my albums together. And this project is the first time that we fully did an album together. The last time that we fully did a project together was Smart Ass Black Boy, which came out in 2013. And since then, he has produced on my albums, but we haven't locked in the way that we did eight years ago, right? And for the last two or three years, we were talking about making an album like this, about making an album that drew on these influences from like different styles of music, styles of thought, styles of art, and wanting to do something that was very storytelling focused, right? And we didn't have a title or a label deal or anything going on at the time. So we would just talk about how when we have it set up, let's do it. You know what I mean? We didn't want to half-ass it, send it back and forth. Because also, over this, these, these past five years, he has left the United States. He is originally from um, Atlanta and has family in Houston and, and in Austin, too. But him and his wife and their daughter moved out to Jamaica. His dad is Jamaican and his wife's mom is Jamaican. So they felt like this would be a great place to raise their kid, get in touch with their cultures. And also for like them being, you know, you know, Jamaican Americans really see what it would be like to be in their homeland. And that created a kind of distance where we couldn't even really make music, sending it back and forth over the email because, you, you know, even if we... Even during times where we didn't live in the same place, but we lived in the States, it was like, oh, well, you live somewhere where I'm going to be. I'm, I'm going to be there for like a show or something so we can link up. But moving to a different country, it makes it a little. Didn't want to have half ass. We wanted to, to make it right. So finally, last year, a situation came around where it worked. I signed a new label deal. I had a proper budget for it. And I was like, all right, now it's go time. Let's get in the studio and really plan out this album. And during our writing sessions, just naturally all these conversations that we had over the years started to come out. Like we're pulling out old beats that we made over this time and different lyrics and just all these different ideas. And as I'm looking at them, I'm like, wow, I remember being in my mom's kitchen like two or three years ago having this exact same conversation with you about making a song like this so it felt like all that prep that we were doing in the back of our minds was worth it even though we didn't know that it was something that we would remember like that right and when we locked in on this album we decided to be really careful and thoughtful about every choice all the concepts for the songs all the characters for the songs all the musical choices all the production choices like we would spend hours every day working on each song and um at at the time i lived in brooklyn so he flew from uh jamaica to, co to come to brooklyn i rented studio time and we spent a week just writing everything just like figuring out what the foundation of the album is after that week was done we had all nine songs not fully formed but at least we had the chorus and a verse and the foundation of the beat and an idea of how they all work with each other, right? And this is really different from how I've made albums before because so many times 
we make albums like let's just make a bunch of songs look at all the material we have and then try to pick the best out of it but rather than like that approach before we even committed to making a song we thought long and hard does this fit into the overall concept that we're trying to push with this record and it was really challenging honestly to write from a short fiction storytelling perspective because my last couple albums I was more so opening up about my personal life like talking about my family talking about my spouse talking about like my real day-to-day life and to break out of that into the storytelling mode was such a challenge but it was fun and I think it made me really stronger as a writer like I can say without a shadow of a doubt this is the album that him and I have worked the hardest on Mm. You um you mentioned um him moving to Jamaica, uh, uh that, did this album have any Jamaica Jamaica influence on it? Because it sounds real tropical. Well, I think just him being a a Jamaican dude, I think that there are some of those influences that come through naturally in his musical choices. But we made a point to not do reggae in an overt way or dance hall in an overt way because we felt like it is so typical for a foreigner to go to Jamaica and be like, oh, now I'm here to make a reggae album. You know, I mm-hmm. actually read, um, I was reading an article recently about a Rolling Stones album that they recorded out there back in the day. And as part of this old article, they were bragging about how, yo, we're we're like coming out here to make our album, but we're not making reggae. Like, like we just coming out here because it's a beautiful place. You know, I, I, I wanted to go to Jamaica not only because GoldenEye lives there, but because I know it's such a rich musical place of all types of music. You know, when I go to Jamaica, you will hear rap music, pop music, 80s music, 90s music, R&B, gospel, rock music. Like people just love music of all forms from all over the world. And I felt like that's a really healthy place to be while I'm in this recording mode. And it's also a place where we wouldn't be distracted. You know, we like rented a home studio in Stony Hill, this, this, this beautiful, basically a mansion, right? So we're cut off from everything. We can't walk anywhere. Like there's no store or anything like walking distance. So when we're working on this project there, we are locked in eight to 12 hours a day, sitting on this property, in this studio, writing, recording, and just locked in, which I think is really important because it's so easy to go to Houston or to Los Angeles and then be like, oh, I have friends I want to see or I want to go to this party or I want to go to this restaurant. It's like, no, cut off everything and just focus. Makes sense, man. And, and yeah, I did kind of peep a uh, kind of a trop. Maybe it was just me, but I heard like a kind of a tropical influence on some of the songs, man, especially the first one, What Wake You Up. Um, it kind of reminded me of the game Super Mario Sunshine a little bit, which is the highest compliment because I love that game, man. Thank you, man. So. <laughs> I'm, I mean, video game music is something that I think him and I both came up loving, like not as something that we want to purposely put into our music. But just through conversations, I think we both discovered that some of our first loves of music were like those you know super super nintendo sega genesis games and those like sounds were kind of etched into our brains first as this is what i like and we're playing games as kids so we hear it over and over again i think that's something that is is just gonna stick with us because of our generation we can't even help it 
Yeah, that's the one thing I like about this album too. It it kind of you know not saying it's a video game type of album, but it kind of got that flavor to it. It's yeah, it's yeah. not the typical sound you hear you know walking down the street with the regular 808s and the you know trap snares and stuff like that. It actually got the yeah. video game sounds in it. <laughs> uh, tell us how you uh, linked up with Bun B for this first song because I guess the I guess his verse. It's probably the most candid Bun B verse I heard in a long time. It seemed like he wow. it was like a grown to me it it felt like a grown grown man Bun B where he was like spitting yeah. some wisdom on it. And I I felt like that was the perfect I felt I I, I don't want to say it was a challenge for him but I felt like that type of beat you really don't hear Bun B on and you yeah. I felt like you kind of um you kind of made made him step up on that to you know actually bring some wisdom on that song. So how did you link up with Bun B on that? Thank you, man. And I and I think that he did that too, and that's what I was looking for in him. So on that song, the very first lyrics I say, I don't wonder why I just wake up and I wipe the crust from my eye. Like a couple weeks before Gold and I came to Brooklyn for our uh, writing sessions, I woke up one day at like six in the morning, it's still dark outside, and I and I go to the bathroom to wash my face, and that rhyme just comes to me out of nowhere. And I just think to myself, like, oh, that'll be a cool way to start a verse, right? So when we got into the writing sessions, we were having a conversation about like, you know, we wanna make a song where people can examine their motivations. Like you notice during the chorus, I'm saying like, you know, what, what, what gets you up in the morning? Is it money? Are you looking for respect? Are you looking for love? Are you encouraged by, you know, something that you hate? Like, what, what is it that is driving you to get up and keep pushing toward whatever your goals are? And is that something that is pure or is that something that is attached to something that is superficial? That's ultimately what I'm saying. And ultimately saying that we should be grateful for our lives. Like you notice during my verses, I am saying, yo, the priest lives like this, the doctor lives like this, the mother lives like this, the cop lives like this. And it's all these people who are having good things happen and bad things happen, but they keep it pushing. And I wanted to show people that you don't have to compare yourself to everybody. Everybody has ups and downs. Focus on your life and understand that no matter who you are and what you're going through, you have a lot to be thankful for. And I asked Bun B to basically sum up everything that I was trying to say with my imagery, just in a really direct and clear way. And it's funny because, you know, this album is full of stories, but there are all these stories behind the scenes of making the album. Like we had our own challenges and our own adventures how Bun got on this record, he texted me because he saw on Instagram that I was out in Jamaica and he told me that he was there too. And I was like, wow, this is, this is fucking fate. Like Bun is here, I'm making an album, we're both in this foreign country, we gotta link up. So I, so I text him our studio address and I'm like, bro, just like pull up, I'm, I'm like super geeked. And he's like, well, actually I'm in Montego Bay and I was in Kingston those cities are four hours apart on the opposite side of the country wow. but rather than let that hold us back I rented an Airbnb 
me and Gold and I packed up some like mobile studio equipment, drove out to Montego Bay for one day to go and record him. Now, Bun was out there with his wife for her birthday. So it wasn't like he was there to record or play a show. It was strictly vacation family time. So we get to Montego Bay and we're like playing phone tag all day. He's like, yo, we, we have all these plans, but I have some free time at this time. And then he texts me, oh, actually, she wants to go and get a massage. So maybe around this time. And it's like, oh, actually, she wants to go and get a drink. Maybe this time. You, you know, it's, it's, it's his wife's birthday. What she says goes. Yeah. And him coming to record with his partner was not in her plans, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. But finally, he got a window of opportunity to come through. He had like 30 minutes free. Came over to the Airbnb. Chopped it up for like five or ten minutes. I played him the song twice, basically explained what I just told y'all about what the song's about. And the whole time that I'm talking and playing the music, his head is down looking at his phone and he's just typing, typing. Played the song twice and he was like, yo, I'm ready. Got up, laid the first down, laid the verse down. And honestly, the first take was perfect. We (laughs) recorded a safety take just in case, but he killed it, nailed it perfectly the first time the first words that he says are what you hear on the actual record as soon as he was done played it back he was happy with it and he was like all right guys i'm out and he walked off back to his hotel and it just really i mean it, it didn't dawn on me but it just really showed me what a professional he is like only someone who has been rapping and writing songs for decades like him can hear a concept hear a song know what what the song needs and execute the recording with all the pressure of his wife waiting for him we're in a foreign country like none of none of that mattered he was so calm cool collected and confident about it it was it was really amazing (laughs) yeah yeah yeah. drop drop some air horns on that man drop some air horns on that but (laughs) you know something else i kind of realized with this album is you know ugk is my favorite rap group and me and the producer Goldeneye have such a connection to UGK that only destiny could make happen. When Goldeneye and I first met, he was in a rap group that was signed to a major label and they were gonna get a session with Mike Dean. So Goldeneye traveled from Atlanta to Houston to come work with Mike Dean. This was December of 2007. And right before he got to Houston, Pimp C died. So all the sessions he had planned with Mike Dean were all canceled because Mike Dean wasn't working there and he was mourning. And because of all that extra free time that he had, me and Goldeneye started kicking it a lot. And that's when we decided to make music together. And that blossomed into this long working relationship and this whole career. And now coming full circle, we now have an album together with the other half of UGK, Bun B on it. And it's not the first time that we've worked with him. He was on our Double Dragon mixtape back in in like, in like 2012. But that was just a mixtape and it was so early on in my career. I don't think people are gonna hear that song the way they're gonna hear this one. This feels like the first time that people are really seeing Fat Tony and Bun B on the same record together and um, I think there's something special about it, like just the whole way it came together. Like you, 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 you can't make it up. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Only fate could call for this to happen. 
That really is dope, man. That's a great story. And and that speaks to Bun's character too, man. To take time out of his wife's birthday party and, yeah. and, and whole vacation to come and and link up and, and record a song like that, man, that's yeah. that's powerful, man. So Yeah. And that's even and shout out that's even dope for the simple fact that, you know, because you got some people that go through that same thing, but the artists always look pressed, like, oh yeah, can you do this? Can you do this? Can you do this? But for yeah. the simple fact that he was down for it, he was like, you know what, let me yeah. you know, let's try to work around it. It's her birthday, but you know, as soon as I get some free time, I got you. Like he ain't even had to do that. But that show you what type of person he is and uh and how he really fuck with you. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, Definitely, I, man. I don't think he would have did that with me. He would be like, "Nah, boy." <laughs> <laughs> He'd be like, "Nah, man." I catch you next time. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? Like, 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 Bun. I've known Bun for a long time. I've never asked him to do anything that I didn't believe him. That excuse me, that I didn't believe in. You know what I mean? Like, and I don't know. I met him about a decade ago. And in that time, this is only the second time I've asked him to make music with, with me. You know, I he, anybody like that, that's an artist that I truly respect. If I'm coming to you, it's not going to be no bullshit. It's it's like I'm not just coming to you to make a track that's like hot because you got a name. Like I'm coming to you because I respect what you do. And I know what you do and your voice is going to fit the vision of this project I'm making. Mm-hmm. And it really did, man. That was a great track. Great uh like like Figgy said, Bun B fitted perfectly. Uh verses complement each other perfectly. Production was great. Great song, man. So yeah. Yeah. Everything that, definitely did come together on that track. That, that's the one I feel like that's something Bun B don't get enough credit for. He can fit on anything. Yeah. Like yeah. a lot of a lot of rappers can't you know only fit towards one thing, but he can actually fit on everything. He got like a crazy catalog when you when you really look at it. He can fit. Yeah. He can fit anywhere, man. Man, I I just love rappers who are like a god MC. Like mm-hmm. people like him or Ghostface or any of these greats. They are respected for their craft, not just for how many hits they have. Even if they have hits, people are like, no, you know, one of the a fucking god is about to touch the mic, and I feel like that level of respect is the best that any artist can ask for where people fuck with you because they love what you do you know whether it's being championed or not people know that if you're making music it's going to be something that is quality first and foremost you gotta get him on the podcast man (laughs) and we're gonna make it happen one day man yeah for sure people sleep on his pen too people think like you know since he's out here teaching college courses and all this shit that now he he was rapping that murder shit back in the day, dog. Yeah, like people sleep on his pen, man. He was a he was a beast. He still is. Um, I do want to ask you though. Uh, I did hear the song "Special Girl" as well, and I thought it was an interesting choice for you to use the uh, Q-tip vibrant thing lyrics in the course in the chorus for that song. Um, talk about that song a little bit, man, because that's kind of I remember. I feel like everybody acts like. They love vibrant thing now, but back in the day, all these old school <laughs> hip hop heads were very co- uh, disappointed, talking very critical of that era of Q-tip, yeah. because they like a tribe called Quest, and that did not sound like 
the tribe sound, the native tongue sounded. It was more poppy to them. So a lot of people in like the real hip hop heads, quote unquote, they hated on that song, man. Uh, but but what is your relationship to that song, and what what went to into the choice of using that for the song "Special Girl"? Well, I'm a huge Tribe Called Quest fan. Back in high school, I had a rap group that I named the Low Ends because I love the okay. album Low End Theory, and I love that uh, Q-Tip solo album too. Like just 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 hands down, he's one of my favorite. Uh, rappers, producers, artists, just period. I think he's dope all around. And I've never, like, because of my age, I found out about Tribe Called Quest in the 2000s. And that Vibrant Thing song was just a song that I heard, like, on the radio as a kid that I liked because I liked any rap song that was on TV and on the radio because I just loved rap music. So I never... And, and just period, even though when I was coming up, there was still that like division in like rap of like, either you're like a backpacker or, or you like gangster rap or you a screw head or you only like West Coast rap. You got a shiny I, suit on. Yeah. <laughs> and I, <laughs> I always liked everything. I always liked all rap. But with this song, Special Girl, I wanted to do a love song that didn't come off feeling so mushy and corny. Like, I try to approach this album vocally like I'm just spitting. Like, I'm like spitting like I'm like in like a cypher or something. I'm not, I'm, I, I didn't perform that song like you would think someone would perform a song that's for the ladies. Mm. You feel me? I felt like that would be a little too typical and kind of corny. And I love those rhymes. I think it illustrates that same sentiment of like, yo, I'm like shouting out this girl that I'm down for, that, that I love, that I'm loyal to. But I'm also a real nigga to be rhyming and like <laughs> I'm like also gonna like flex on you about how I'm the coldest and how I'm like getting getting money and like doing my thing too in the same breath. You know what I mean? I feel like back in the day there was this idea of, of when artists were making albums, rappers would be like, Oh, I got my club songs here, I got my for the lady songs here and I've never wanted to be an artist like that. So if I'm doing any song that might feel the least bit typical, there's something I want to do with either my performance or with the production to kind of flip it on its head and make it feel new and original. Mm. You did a good job, man. Like you said, it is tough to make a song like that and have it not come off contrived or corny because, you know, <laughs> but uh, now you did a good job with it, man. Actually, the whole album, you know, a very, very great sound. I'm, I'm a big fan of it. Um, and I do know that you're a great live artist as well. And I'm sure you're itching to perform these songs live, man. Yeah, so, man. Very, so very badly. Very badly. When, when do you plan to return? Because I know some artists are already kind of coming back into the live performance thing with, of course, you know, limited audience and social distance and quarantine and uh, sanitize and all this stuff. Jack Freeman's been doing shows out here as well. So, uh when do you plan to actually return to live performing and how soon do you think that'll be? Well, actually I'm going to do one soon. I have one show for the rest of this year. One, one show that's in person. That's not a live stream show. It's in Austin, Texas. Okay. On November 6th, I will be performing this new album in its entirety. 
and okay. it's a new stage uh, show. It's like it's you will feel the difference in this performance versus me performing my past records. Like everything around this album, I want to make it a statement. I want to make it very clear that this mode of Exotica is a new chapter for me as an artist. And that's the only show I have planned that's going to be in person. It's an outdoor show. It's at a venue called The Far Out in South Austin, Texas. And I picked this show because a bunch of my friends there told me that the place is safe. They've been doing shows. And I felt confident that I wouldn't be putting people at risk who want to come to this show. You know, there's a few other places that I was talking to about doing an outdoor show. But I just didn't have the confidence about the way they were running it based on what I heard. But this place, I've heard nothing but good things, and I'm very excited to at least have one chance while the album is fresh to perform it for y'all. That's dope, man. That's dope. Uh, is it still possible to get tickets to this show? Is it already sold out? Or? No, no, it's no, it's totally possible. Like I, like I don't think that they're doing the pre-sale tickets because of the, uh, you know, cap. They like can't let as many pe- people in, so it's really like first come, first serve. Oh, okay. It's a, it's, it's a cheap ticket. It's ten bucks, and I'm about to really give y'all a show. Mm. Okay. You might have to ride okay, up to November. <laughs> Look that up. I might, I might take a trip, man. I got some uh, man, pull folks up. out there. So Goldeneye's coming too. He's flying in from uh, Kingston. So we we like really doing it big. You know what I mean? Okay. So might might make a trip out there, man. Might stay with my folks out there because uh, <laughs> yeah, I know that's gonna be lit, man. I've been itching to get back into a live. To see another live show, man, it's been too long. So yeah, yeah, I have to make that happen, bro. <laughs> so uh, what? What's up? Uh, this this an off the wall question. What's up with our girl okay. Rosario? <laughs> what's up with uh, Rosario Dawson? <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't know, my nigga. I don't even know. <laughs> no, I she was, uh, probably chilling, man. I, <laughs> I actually talked to her at the top of quarantine. Um, I think she moved back to the East Coast. Okay, yeah, man. I ought to tap in with her, man. I think she good though. Okay, you should, man. You should. <laughs> this nigga say, yo, yo, I got an off the wall question. Yeah, How's it? Sorry, yo, dog. I, I, I was thinking about the last time you was in studio and you, uh, br- uh, you told us that story, and that was so oh, yeah. that was so random. Like what? <laughs> man, it's crazy. You know, there's many people like that. Like, like even like Bun B. The first time that I met him was at a radio station. I I did an interview there, my first interview, and he was there too, and I t- took a pic with him, and I was, like, super geeked. And for years after that, I would go to his, you know, shows, his, you know, CD signings, like, like I was just a fan. Never approached him. And this one day, he tweeted about me. When I put out my first album, Rabbit Gab, he tweeted... Fat Tony is Houston's best kept secret. Tell him I I told you about it. And after that, I was like, oh, interesting. Like, how does he even know who I am? And then I went to a show and he was there and he motioned for me to like come come over to the back and we like smoked the blunt, just chopped it up. And I was just like, damn, like someone that I admire or like someone that's like, has like certain like status or whatever reached out to me you just never know who's like looking honestly you like never know who is watching you who is listening to you you know i feel like if you're doing your thing as an artist and you're really killing it you'll have eyes on you from people you would have never imagined would be checking for you 
and every now and then they'll actually holler at you and let you know that they fucking with what you're doing. Very true, man. You never know. So you got to conduct yourself appropriately. Don't talk yeah. too much shit about people either. Like, I, <laughs> that's one thing. Which, yeah. You never know who's Start, listening. Start you never know who's a stand. So. It'd be funny if, if, if I had mad like tweets like, yo, Bun is overrated. This nigga whack. Like, I can't believe y'all, y'all fuck with oh, this man. shit. <laughs> you never know, man. You really never know. Yeah. So uh, I got to ask you about this too, man, because I saw... Uh, my favorite TV show is making its uh, a comeback for a new season, and I saw you're going to be on it, man. It's the Eric Andre show. New <laughs> season is starting soon. I'm a big fan, man. I like that kind of humor. I grew up yeah. watching like Space Ghost and Wonder Shows in and Tom nice. Green show. So I'm a huge fan of the Eric Andre show, dog. And I saw you you you're on that show for this new season. So tell me about that. Tell me how you linked up with Eric Andre and, and how that taping went and how that whole link up happened. Bro, it's the exact same situation. He DM'd me. Eric Andre DM'd me like three years ago and I was like, bro, I love your song, BKNY, you're a legend. And I was like, what the fuck? Like, <laughs> I didn't know, we, we had no like friends in common, you know what I mean? Totally random didn't live in the same city at the time and um just like started like kicking it with him like after that he like came to houston played a uh show i pulled up then i went to la before i was living there to go to his birthday party and then when i did live in la i would go to his house sometime and just like kind of like link up and um i played his birthday party last year and then a few months after that his like people reached out to me to book me for it. Like, like he never even, it like, wasn't like some, yo, Hey, Tony down to do it. Or oh, I have an idea. It was like, I am representing the Eric Andre show. And I would like to offer your, uh, they like messaged my manager. Like, yo, I'd like to offer your uh, client to come in. What I'm doing on this season is I'm in an episode of rapper warrior ninja, where they basically yeah. get like rappers to freestyle while they torture you. And um. <laughs> And I've seen the segment before, and it's, and it's usually like two or three artists doing it. Like I've seen like Danny Brown and Open Mike Eagle and Rocky do it. But this time when I pulled up to set, it was like a fucking festival. It was a million rappers in there. Little Yachty wow. was there, <laughs> uh, Danny Brown, Freddie Gibbs, Tyler Kwali, Murs, Kuko, JPEG oh, wow. Mafia, Zach Fox. Like, like it was like. It was like 30, Trippy Red, it was like 30 rappers in there. And they basically just lined us up and we all went through a different obstacle course. Mine, I'm like hanging from the fucking ceiling. I'm getting hit with some road spray. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm getting spanked by a dominatrix. The whole time, I'm like trying to like rap, but I wasn't bullshitting. I was like, yo, if I'm gonna do a freestyle, I'm about to give y'all bars this whole time. I'm not giving y'all no like goofy shit, so listen to it, man. My my episode, I think it comes out the first week of December. And okay. uh, yeah, listen close, man. I am spitting on there no matter what I'm getting hit with. <laughs> I'm definitely check that out, man. Like I said, I'm a big fan of that show, so I'm definitely be watching it. And keep a lookout. And everybody, if you haven't seen that show yet, man, I don't know how to describe it. You really can't. But uh, if it you like absurd, absurd, Pure off absurdity. the wall humor, 
I definitely <laughs> recommend you check out the Eric Andre show. It's on Hulu, and you know you can find it if you look for it. Yeah, brand new season. I think it uh, comes out tomorrow. The first oh, wow. episode comes out tomorrow, October twenty fifth, on uh, Adult Swim. So yeah, check him okay. out, man. I think that this season, I've like seen a few clips of it. I think this might be his best season, and he he uh, gained weight for it. He shaved his head. <laughs> I saw he shaved his head, man. Like, yeah, okay. Even pulling up to set and he was bald and like kind of fat. I'm like, plus he's like 30 rappers. I'm like, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> hey, hey, he's crazy. <laughs> I'm looking forward to it, man. I already know. I didn't know it was coming so soon, though. Good looking out. So I'm going to definitely check that shit out, man. It's hilarious. If you haven't seen that show, I definitely recommend you watch it because it's Fucking hilarious, man. So, uh, what was I going to ask? Oh, yeah. One, one thing I want to ask you, too, because you, you did mention that this album is like a uh, a new beginning in your new direction of where you see yourself as an artist now. And I know some artists have some trouble ranking their projects, but I'm always, always interested in, in where artists rank their projects. Um, mm. I thought it was big when Jay-Z did his ranking of his, because I'm a big Jay stan. And when he did his ranking, but he listed it by, you know, the order of his album cases on yeah. a picture on Instagram or Twitter, or wherever he posted it. And he kind of explained too, like, this is where, you know, Reasonable Doubt is here, Volume One's here. And I think it's very interesting for an artist, especially one with a deep catalog to look back and say, okay, this was my best project and this one was not so great. So where do you rank your discography in general and where would you put this album? I know it's still fresh, so it's probably close to the top. But looking back, uh, where, where would you kind of rank your disc- discography as far? And, and where, you, where do you think this new album would fit in there currently? Man, I can say without a shadow of a doubt that this new album, Exotica, is my best album. It is the album that I not only have enjoyed making the most, but it's the album of mine that I've listened to the most. And I think that there's just something very special with this album where I can show off on a production side the unique sound that me and Golden I have made. I can also show off my versatility as a songwriter through storytelling. You also get a bit of my personality through all the songs, different sides of myself. I feel like this is my most complete project that I've made yet. And I would always start with recommending this album for anybody who is new to me or a longtime fan, I, 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 I'm, I'm kind of wondering how I'm going to top it, to be honest with you. <laughs> but um, out of my other projects, I feel like I like all my albums for different reasons because I can see where I was at in my life with all of them. Like on Rabbit Gab, my first album, I'm like rapping really like fast. I, I just sound so like hungry. Like I sound like like. I'm trying to get every word I've ever thought of because if because because with my first album I'm thinking back to all the rhymes I wrote in middle school all the rhymes I wrote in high school and I'm just thinking like yo like every idea I've ever had about a song this is my time to get it out like like you make your first album you don't know if you're gonna get a chance to make some some more music or people are gonna care so you're really giving it your your all and that's the album that I spent the longest time on like we Worked on that album for like two and a half years. You know what I mean? Just like really changing it and like 
recording so many different songs and so many different beats and like just really being so excited. Also at that time, a lot of my homies had just built their like studios for the first time. So it was like, while I'm making my first album, they're getting their first studios off. Who worked on that album of like, this is our first chance to really do what we've been thinking about doing for all these years. And that album will always be special to me for that reason. Um, but as far as my best, I would say that my new album, Exotica, is my best album. I think my second best is Smart Ass Black Boy because okay. that's an album where that's an album where we had so many fucked up hard things happen to us at the start of that process. Like my grandmother passed away when we started making that album. Um, me and Gold and I were like super broke and pretty much homeless for like a couple months, crashing with our friends. Like some of the songs on that album, like Father's Day about my dad or Hood Party. Those are a couple songs that we wrote when we were crashing on our friend's couch in uh, Jersey City, New Jersey, because we couldn't afford a place in Brooklyn and we fell out with the people that we were staying with there and we had zero money. We were eating their leftovers. We were like drinking rum every day to go to sleep because alcohol is cheap. And, and we were just sitting there like, man, we don't have shit. My like grandma was sick. I knew that she was going to pass soon. We were just like at, at, at our lowest, but we still were like, we're going to make this work. I remember I like helped my friend move his apartment for like a hundred bucks, like 50 bucks. So I could have like money to eat. Like, Everything was looking down, but we were like, we still gonna make this music and try to make the best of our lives. And I think that hard period happened right at the start, but then good things started to happen shortly after. I got my first record deal. The ASAP Rocky tape came out that I'm on and, and like that opened doors to me. Like all these opportunities came out of this moment where we were like, yo, everything is fucked up. Nothing's ever gonna get good again and I think that to see that shift happen before our very eyes just made us so grateful and made us locked in even harder to make the rest of that album so that album will always be at the top as like a special one and that's another one that's much like this album where we thought long and hard about the concepts of each song I think that I wasn't as fully developed as a vocalist at that point, like I think I could have delivered a better performance on some of those songs, but my mind was in the right place. And I think anybody rocking with me during that album could see the vision of where this train's going. So I put Smart As Black Boy, my second favorite album, Rabbit Gab, my third favorite album, because it's my first and it's special too. And after that, I would put Wake Up, my, my album right before this uh, new one, because <clears throat> That was one where that was the first album where I was really conscious of my vocal performance and like trying to really dial it in. And I think I nailed it there. And my last two, I kind of want to tie 10,000 Hours and McGregor Park. And I, and I put those two at the bottom, even though they are full of songs that I love. But those were the albums that were the loosest, where I didn't zero in on like the concepts through, throughout the album. Those were two albums where I was just making mad music and I put together the best of what I had at the time 
and I felt like I chose some awesome songs and like a few songs on those albums are some of my best songs, but I think as a whole, they don't hold up as fully formed projects the way these other projects do. I, I think Exotica, Smart Ass Black Boy, Rabbit Gab, Wake Up are my most cohesive albums. And you know what? I kind of forget something. I have this album called Double Dragon that's mm-hmm. not on Spotify, right? <laughs> because we put it out in 2012 and that was the era where it was like you like put an album out on like Dat Piff or on live mixtapes or on SoundCloud. So we just had our, our album up there. We didn't we didn't think that Spotify and all this stuff was coming, so we didn't care about getting that album on there. So that's an album that I think a lot of my audience hasn't heard because it's kind of lost to time. You can only really get it on Bandcamp now. But I, I re-listened to that album when we were working on this uh, new one, and me and Goldeneye were really shocked at how good it was. Like, that was... Like, I had that hard time when we were trying to make Smart Ass Black Boy. And then I had all this good stuff happen. Got my first record deal. Me and him moved to Los Angeles for the first time. And that first month, we were like, yo, before we work on our album, Smart Ass Black Boy, let's just make a mixtape for fun with both of us rapping on it. GoldenEye's rapping too, like we're a duo. And our goal was just to be spitting and, and having fun. And I think that burst of energy of being in like a new place and being young and like coming out of this hard period just made us wrap our ass off and get super duper creative. So honestly, to get my to like make my final list, I'd put Exotica number one. I'd put Smart as Black Boy number two, Double Dragon number three, okay. Rabbit Gab number four, Wake Up number five, Ten Thousand Hours number six, and McGregor Park number seven. That's my top list for my music. Man, you got three more albums to number 10, man. (laughs) (laughs) Almost there, dog. Working on it, man. I appreciate that self-awareness, man. A lot of artists can't honestly take a look at their work and critique it like that. So I think that's very impressive. Um, Also, a great point about the the mixtapes that get lost to time. I don't know if people will really realize how much great music is left on the mixtapes that will probably never get put on the mainstream streaming services. Yeah. Lil Wayne's best work, I believe, was on his mixtapes that you can only get on that piff. Like yeah. he tried to put one of his older mixtapes, but it was missing like 10 songs. Uh, I forget what it was called. It was a No Ceilings, I think. He put yeah. that on recently. Yeah. But it was missing some of the best songs were off that, probably because of sample and clearance issues. So. Yeah, if yeah. that piff ever goes away, man, that would be a whole yeah. lot of hip hop history lost. That that is a gold <laughs> app to have, man. Like just it have is. the that piff app. You can go through all type of stuff that you'll never find. All the dipset mixtapes on there, the G Unit mixtapes, man, all that stuff will be lost to time if we ever lose that site. So <laughs> get everything while my, you can. We need protect that, that's some of my biggest advice to, to artists though. Like be sure to archive your work. Like I keep some 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 hard drives here with all my shit because I've gone through losing a laptop or losing a hard drive and like losing music. Like I don't have the session files to my first album because we weren't keeping up with it. You know, as like time goes on, you like start to see the importance of owning your stuff. And I think we can't trust any of these companies to keep our stuff up there. Like like look at a MySpace, which was like a music mecca for many years and many of that data's lost to time. 
the same thing can happen to Spotify or to SoundCloud. You never know, man. So keep up with all your material so that you can always get it to people and it is preserved. Very true, man. I don't think people, we didn't really appreciate the internet for what it was back then. It was really the Wild West, dog. Wasn't no <laughs> DMCA takedowns. Wasn't no copyright claims. You could just take another nigga's beat and rap over it yeah. and, and put that out there and sell it. And yeah. you would be okay. But now it's a different yeah. game, it's, man. You can't do that. No it's more. crazy so, because yeah, I, rem- I remember performing songs and uh, it was one show. You know how you had to pay for the show to, to, to get on stage and all this other stuff? I remember um, right before I went on stage, this dude, his last song was one of the beats I had. <laughs> so we oh, pretty man. much went to the same damn website. So it went from his beat, the way he did that song, and then I came on right after and performed the same, uh, pretty much performed the same damn beat. So I'm just like, man, he took my beat, man. Blah, blah. But we both didn't pay for it. <laughs> so we just like yeah. took it. That, Man, it was wild. But but also during that time, it's kind of like dancehall music. Like in dancehall, a, a a producer drops a rhythm, and then mad artists get up on that, and whoever has the best song rises to the top. I feel like during that mixtape era, it was the same shit. Like Lil Wayne would like hop on the same beat, Jada Kiss would hop on, that Fabulous would hop on, but whoever killed it the, the hardest. That's the song that we remember. Yeah. So, so at that show, if if your song was a better song than that last dude, the crowd would have forgot his shit and be like, "Yo, it's this nigga beat now." Yeah, <laughs> that's facts. It's true. Lil, Lil Wayne stole this. Show me what you got beat, man. That's that's not Jay Z, and I'm a Jay Z stand. <laughs> that ain't Jay Z song no more after Jay, a Lil Wayne dropped that verse, man. Yeah, he took yeah. that song from Jay. I got to admit that. <laughs> Man. So uh, we don't want to hold you too long, man. We know you're a very busy man. Uh, you got anything else? You mentioned you have a show coming up. Anything else planned? And also uh, PS5 or Xbox Series X, man. Which one you copying? Oh, I want to cop. So I haven't been a gamer in a long time. But my homie just got the new Tony Hawk. I think he has PS4. Mm-hmm. And man, I've been going over to to the, the house playing the <laughs> shit out of that game, and I'm like, damn, do I need to get back in the game and get a and get a PlayStation? I would rock with with uh, PlayStation because I love the controller. Like yeah. playing Tony Hawk on on a uh, PS4 recently, I'm like, yo, this just feels so right. Like I don't want to play a game if I don't have the dual sticks and I'm and I'm you know what I mean? Like, like I'm. That's my comfort zone. So I would do PS5 for okay. sure. Yeah. I forgot about that game, for man. Sure. That used to be the game back in the PS2 days. Or Bro, the that's PS1. the game that yeah. I played the most, I think. <laughs> Tony Hawk. That beast. got every everybody was in the skating when that shit dropped, man. Everybody, <laughs> yes. the hood niggas, yes. bourbon kids, <laughs> like everybody yes. got in the skating when that. And there was one black man on them games, Kareem Campbell. I remember him. I used him all the time. <laughs> Legend, legend. <laughs> but man, far as stuff that I'm working on, you know, I have this new album out, Ex- Ex- Exotica. This is my main, this this is my baby right now. You know what I mean? I have other stuff that I am developing, but nothing to really speak about yet. But, but in this mode that we on right now, it's all about Exotica. It's all about getting this album out to as many people as possible. So if anybody out there is listening to, to this and they dig the album, please share it. 
to grassroots and get out to the people. Yes, sir. Before, highly recommended. Before you go, man, how did you get that dude that was drinking that cranberry juice to do a TikTok to Groovy? Feeling groovy. Bro, he just did it. <laughs> Seriously. And I and I like DM'd him thanking him and he was like, yo, I hope you get a lot of views from it. I like the song. I'm like, man, man, that's, that's that just goes to show like you. You never know who is checking you out, bro. You I, never know. I'm thinking like, damn, man, Fat Tony must got a good record label behind him, man. How, how much <laughs> they pay him to do that? That's dope, man. Nah, he like, he, he like even told me he was like, bro, you kind of lucky. Like, boys are really paying me for this right now. <laughs> That's dope. I, I, I got a little bit of beef with that dude because because of him. Cranberry juice, ocean spray. It's hard to find in stores. Uh, <laughs> it is. Everybody's snatching that shit up, man. I'm like, how am I supposed to mix drinks without no cranberry juice? Oh, yeah. Snatching that shit up. Man. I feel your pain, bro. <laughs> cool, so, yes. Gems and Juice approved. Everybody check out the new album by Fat Tony, Exotica. You can find it on all streaming services. I also recommend you buy it on Bandcamp. Support yes. the artist, especially when you end Support the independent artists and buy it on band. Yes, I'm, I'm, wait, I'm waiting on my vinyl, man. I bought the vinyl. I'm waiting on I the vinyl. Beautiful, beautiful, man. Beautiful. It's beautiful. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a, it's a three-color vinyl. And you know what? For like people that ordered the vinyl early, we made we made all these scratch-off th- uh, scratch tickets. Oh, shit. Mm. Ticket, you get a remix of gambling man that same mariachi band that's in the music video we hired them to record a remix of the album and we put it all together and it sounds really beautiful it's harp it's violin trumpet guitar bass like that is it is available for all the album vinyl buyers now but i'm gonna put it out on all streaming services the first week of uh, December, and um, man, it's it just sounds like classical music. Like we made this mariachi version with the intent of being respectful to the genre. Like we weren't trying to do no novelty shit or no fusion of like rap with with mariachi. Like we're doing a traditional mariachi song, just using our songwriting, and um, I think y'all gonna love that. It's special. Can't wait to hear That's it. crazy, man. Like you're you're a true artist, Fat Tony. I'm not just saying that because you hear, man. But it's like I feel like with you, you never know what you're gonna get next. Like yeah. a mariachi remix of the hip hop album is crazy, dog. Yeah, so, yeah. It's a, and, real artistic shit. Yeah, man. and then everything you're doing, you, everything you're doing, because the uh, the one show I went to, I, I was looking at your merch, and you had like coffee. You, I mean, it's just oh, yeah. super creative, man. <laughs> like, you know, a reg- I feel like a regular 101 how to be a rapper person would just have, you know, just the album, T-shirt, and uh, call it a day. And that's it. But you step out the way to do something creative that nobody else is doing. And that's... It's, man, it's, it's more dope. fun that way. Yeah. I respect that. Me too, man. Me too. <laughs> So, yes, everybody get that. Follow him at Fat Tony on all social media platforms Fat Tony as well. Rap. Fat Tony What's Rap. What's that? Fat Tony Rap. Fat Tony Rap, yeah. yeah. Fat Tony Rap. Fat Tony Rap everywhere. Yes, sir. Check him out on uh, Eric Andre's show in a few weeks, too. 
get the album. And that's it. Man. Yeah, thank you again, Fat Tony. Really appreciate it, bro. Thank y'all, man. Much love. I love coming on this show. Holler at me anytime, for real. For sure. We're going to do it again. We're going to run it back again this year. <laughs> Much love, y'all. I was standing in the back of the crowd, smoking black in a mouth. All right, guys. Thank you all again for listening to this edition of the Gems and Juice podcast. Special shout out to our guest, Fat Tony. Remember to check his new album, uh, Exotica, out on all streaming platforms. Buy it on Bandcamp, support the artists, and check out his show in Austin if you're close to the area during that time as well. Might have to drive up a there, great man. Show. <laughs> I'm honestly thinking about it, man. It's on yeah. a Friday, but yeah. I got some friends in Austin I can stay with, so I might, mm. we might have to make something happen. I'll see. I don't know. Yeah. So shout out to him. Uh, who else shout now? Oh yeah, Tab Tech, of course. Follow Tab Tech. Look up Tab Tech um, for your cell phone and iPhone cable case, whatever you need phone You think he got that new iPhone? I was going to ask about that. I don't know. The iPhone 12 just dropped. I don't think he has it yet. I'm sure you'll have it soon. So search Tab Tech on Amazon, eBay, all that stuff. And you're going to find his shit. Uh, buy it if you need a, a phone or case on the level hook you up. Mm-hmm. Also, our friends at Skylab HTX, Skylab Houston. Uh, great studio. Uh, we had our contest winner officially did his session there. Apparently, mm-hmm. it went very well. Yeah, we're gonna have him on the podcast, I believe, next week. Yeah, next week. Yeah, so look forward to that. And we got Mikey uh, Major on the um, podcast next week too. Uh, Houston Mikey artist. Major. Okay, yeah. uh, we we really coming together like the fucking late show now. Man. I know. We got man. multiple guests now. Yeah. <laughs> Dave Letterman up in this bitch. Now. Yeah, uh, we got comedian Dave Chappelle. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Oh, you yeah, see, you so. see Adele and her supposed to be on Saturday Night Live tonight. Oh really? Yeah. I gotta catch up, man. I still haven't seen the uh, the Chris Rock episode. I think Chris Rock did the episode this season, yeah. didn't he? Uh yeah he did the or one was, with Meg yeah I got I didn't I didn't see that one yet you see the Bill Burr and I didn't see the last one I I missed the Bill Burr one. I only saw the opening mile was fucking hilarious <laughs> we didn't even talk about that either man that shit we was did <laughs> I was, so Bill yeah yeah I was cringing when I was watching that on Twitter I'm like holy uh, shit <laughs> that that's that's Bill Burr man honestly like I fuck with Bill Burr he's one of those old school raw ass comedians man yeah. He was good friends with Patrice O'Neal too. Was one of my favorite comedians as well. So I, I was just cracking up how he started going after the soccer moms, the the white soccer moms. Yeah. <laughs> the funniest thing to me is like the number one that Sarah and I like even had him had him on. Oh man! And and yeah, the, I the fact that. that nobody was laughing really <laughs> when he was saying all them jokes, man, I was yeah. dying. I was like, oh shit. Yeah. <laughs> you know they was uncomfortable hearing yeah. that. You know they was uncomfortable in the audience watching that and then he he got into the um the uh, the white woman sle- uh sneaking into the slavery room or something i'm like oh shit <laughs> I, I gotta watch that episode i gotta catch up on saturday night live man yeah gotta, um, do my due diligence on that yeah uh so yeah adele and her are gonna be on who wait who's hosting adele i guess uh, adele is hosting the new skinny adele Mm, yeah, she look good too. Go. She, I ain't gonna lie, she look good. She ain't look, she ain't had that Jamaican stuff on in that one picture, yeah. but she looked good. The thing man. about Adele, Adele was like a sloppy fat man. That's the thing. She wasn't like a BBW. 
So yeah. when she lost weight, it actually made her look better. Yeah. Yeah. So and then the accent yeah. and all that. But yeah. Yeah. I'm 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 wondering if she got something coming out pretty soon. I'm sure she does. I'm sure she does. She wouldn't be doing Saturday Night Live. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure she's gonna drop something before the end of the year. Yeah. Um, so yeah, stay tuned himself. for that. <laughs> Shout out to Jasmine as well, working behind the scenes, doing the promotional work and all that shit. Love you, Jasmine. And also the man Figgy Fig doing all his booking, man. You working hard, dog, doing know, double man. duty for the in the loop show, <laughs> running for the podcast, man. Shout out to you as well. Shout out, oh, shout out to John McClain too for retweeting the podcast. <laughs> oh, did he? Yeah, he, even though oh, he, he, he retweeted everything, but he retweeted the um, one of our tweets, pretty much saying oh, subscribe dope. to the YouTube, which y'all should I do. I didn't too. realize that. That's dope, man. Yeah. I hope you didn't hear us talking about white people being the devil. <laughs> 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 I'm just playing. <laughs> <laughs> no, but that's dope, man. That's dope. That's a good look. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah. Oh, oh yeah. As well, uh, subscribe to us on YouTube. Just yes. got the YouTube channel up. We're putting all the podcast interviews up there now. Eventually, we'll probably put the full episodes up there, too. So, yeah, subscribe on YouTube. Follow us on Instagram. Follow us on Twitter. Do all the good stuff. And get you a mask and T-shirt. You still selling that shit? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Hit up Teach Laugh Craft on Twitter. Our friends over at Teach Laugh Craft. And, yes. um Yeah, um, they're selling the mask for 10 bucks. T-shirts, 20 so uh get you get you a nice little combo um t-shirt mask thirty dollars t-shirt and mask for 30 bucks man that's, i've seen places sell t-shirts alone for 40 yes <laughs> so that's a good deal that's 20 a, 30 bucks for that's a, mask a damn good deal yeah 20 dollars yes, for a t-shirt and support, mm-hmm. and support the brand yep so yes thank y'all all again thank you for fat tony for joining us and we're gonna have another action-packed show next time y'all so stay tuned Mm-hmm. And yeah. peace. Oh.